What's up, Dunwoody? Hope everybody had a nice, long Independence Day weekend. Um, we switched it up this year and didn't march in the parade. Instead, we opted for a sponsored tent next to the judges' table. It was pretty cool. Justin and I took all seven of our children, and the kids were able to sit in the shade and watch from probably the best spot in the whole parade route. Everybody shows off for the judges, so we got a real good show. Next year, when the kids are a little older, we'll probably get out and march again. But it was really nice to get out and meet some listeners. The uh, Dunwoody 4th of July Parade is one of my favorite small-town feel events. I feel like it really brings the city together, if only for you know just one day a year. If you're new to the show, my name is Matt Weber. I'm a local real estate agent specializing in selling homes in the Dunwoody area. If you know somebody needing a little hand-holding from the neighborhood realtor, please send them my way. My co-host's name is Justin Dyke. Justin is a software and app developer. He is founder of PoolDues.com. PoolDues.com is a back-end billing software for your neighborhood pool. The people have spoken. Members want easy reservation software and the ability to pay online. There is absolutely no reason that your club should still only accept checks. Check out the websites for Georgetown and Dunwoody North. PoolDews.com is taking over Dunwoody's swim clubs. The show is brought to you by Brett Friedman and Village Orthodontics. They pay our bills, and we couldn't do it without them. So if you or your children need a little teeth straightening, get in to see Dr. Brett. Village Orthodontics is brightening smiles all over the city. Today's show fits in nicely with last week, I think. The parade definitely would not have been named Happy Birthday Dunwoody without Bev Wingate and the rest of Dunwoody Yes. I've had so many people tell me that I had to get Bev on the show. Um, I tracked her down and finally convinced her to come on and tell you the full story of the incorporation of Dunwoody. Find a quiet place and give us like 30 minutes of your time, because it's story time with Bev. What's up, Dunwoody? Welcome back to the What's Up, Dunwoody podcast. All right, so we're here with uh, Bev Wingate, one of the, uh, what, is, what does this paper say? It said the mother of Dunwoody? <laughs> well, <laughs> the official, unofficial mother of the city of Dunwoody. <laughs> that's a, that's a good lead in, right? I love the title. Uh, I'm not sure I earned it, but if they would like to call me that, I will gladly answer to well, that. If people are calling you that, then that's okay. <laughs> well, let's, t- let's talk about um, incorporation. All right. And how, how that all became a thing. I think a lot of our listeners are probably newer to Dunwoody as most most of Dunwoody is probably. So let's go back. Okay. And I think you're right about that. I became aware of that recently at a uh, school board meeting. Uh, Stan, uh, a local stand gesture had a, a meeting. Uh, and uh, during the evening, it became obvious that a number of the young parents really didn't understand some things about the city or about what had gone on a before. And uh, Adrian Duncan called a poll just for fun to see how many people, when she said, would those of you who were not here when we became a city raise your hand? And three-fourths of the room raised their hand. And that's when I realized even more people than I thought were probably not here. And that's not a bad thing. It's wonderful that new people are coming to our city, that we have the young families, we have the children, and and we know that the next 20 years are going to be good years based on the growth that way. But it is nice for them to have a little sense of being, and um, that's why I was glad to come today when you invited me. Or at least understand, uh, Bob, Bob Lungston, when he came on, he kind of explained why like the village overlay existed and mm-hmm. it kind of made us think differently about it because we were just angry that nothing was getting done you know <laughs> absolutely it was like well this is why it happened back in the day and that you know it made sense after sure. that so well hopefully you can do that for information us. is important right, right. good information yeah. i think uh to begin with incorporation i think we have to backtrack just a little bit and give you a sense that back in the 1800s when cities such as roswell Norcross, Decatur, 
Doraville, were already being founded and incorporated as cities, Dunwoody was just beginning to emerge as a little community with a few houses here and there, some people moving in. Uh, in fact, the railroad closed in 1921. I, I was told. I wasn't here then. <laughs> uh, and uh, all that was left was the, was the little post office, the Nash's grocery store, and a filling station. And at that time, Ebenezer Baptist Church, the little old church you see up there on the corner of Roberts and, um, and uh, Dunwoody Club, and uh, Dunwoody Baptist and Dunwoody Methodist. And that was about it as far as Dunwoody was concerned. It was mainly um, farmland. Uh, and it stayed that way even into the 50s and 60s. It was still just a sleepy little farm farming area. Uh, houses were being built. Um, Many without amenities yeah. uh, back in that day. Uh, and it really wasn't till the 1970s that the term used that exploded. So, And there were several things involved with that. Uh, first, uh, uh, I-285 was completed from Buford Highway over to the Fulton County line. IBM brought hundreds of people in because they moved their facilities and, and hundreds of people came in. Uh, there was... Uh, also, a lot of, of smaller businesses looking to come to Dunwoody. Commercial was looking, and DeKalb County started their zoning back in that in that period when there was growth taking place. And I think that, um, well, in fact, if you had um, Ken Wright on, he probably told you Dunwoody Homeowners Association was formed back then. Uh, Georgetown became our first official shopping center, and it opened then. And you could see things now are starting to pick up and become more modern. Yeah. And uh, I think that was important. Northside Hospital opened. Um, St. Joseph's Scottish Rites followed that. And so the growth then became Perimeter Mall had opened. Uh, small, yeah, not what so you I'm see sorry. now, <laughs> but things were really beginning to jump in Dunwoody, and then in 1971 was when the first incorporation bill was dropped. Oh wow! And that's something people don't really remember. And oftentimes they say in 2005, why was there a rush to incorporation? Well, really, there hadn't been a it was rush. A Thirty-year rush. <laughs> it, yes, uh, and it had been going over in Sandy Springs at that time too. But uh, our representative, Harry Geisinger, at the time, when the bill was introduced, uh, backed off because then he later decided to run for governor the latter part of the 70s. John Linder, whom you might remember as the congressman, John, he later became congressman John Linder, the fair tax and those sorts of things, was our state house rep then following uh, Harry Geisinger. In 1979, John dropped the bill again. So it had been presented two times prior to the initia the initial drive we started back then in 2005. So uh, it wasn't yes though it wasn't done with a yes. No, was there was nothing. In fact, it was just a case of the the representative presented the bill. Um, there wasn't a committee behind him. There wasn't much action. Uh, and when it died, there wasn't anyone to take it over and run with it again. While over in Sandy Springs, interestingly enough, Representative Dorothy Felton and um, Eva Galambos, who later became Mayor Galambos, were still fighting for for Sandy Springs citizenship. Uh, citizenship. That sounds interesting. Well, Excuse me, incorporation. That's what they would be. So. <laughs> uh, and they continued it. And, and picture, if you will, a totally dominated male, predominantly um, 
Democrat legislature, and here come these two ladies in from the north side wanting to talk about a city. And we said they probably just kind of patted them on the head. But to their credit, those two dynamic women never gave up. And therefore, they became a city before we did, because they can, they had people that continued the fight. Yeah, through everything. Yeah. Okay. Well, they probably had a snappy uh, motto, like, done what a yes. You can't get any more simple than that, but it is. It's perfect. Well, that was going to be on the ballot, as you'll see the little ballot mark there to check yes, yeah. uh, to vote yes for Dunwoody. That became a catchy phrase, but not until we actually had approval to become a city. As you know, probably from having Ken on, uh, it started with Citizens for Dunwoody. I didn't go back and listen to some of your previous broadcasts, and I don't know how much it was covered. You you just tell us everything. Well, Senator Weber had just been elected as our senator. He was a freshman in the legislature in 2005. He again thought it was time for a city because um, DeKalb County was approving almost every zoning request that came down the road. Uh, We had, up until um, the the mid-90s, we'd had maybe 900 and some apartments. Uh, In in just a five-year, in a 10-year period of time, they they, uh, authorized 2,300 more. Mm -hmm. Shortly after that, another 2,000 with more to come. So it was obvious we were going to become totally imbalanced as far as... uh, residential to apartment and it was kind of just the homeowners association fighting and that's all we had the dha (laughs) and thank goodness for the founders of the dha because they became our quasi as we called it government had we not had them organized to negotiate with decap county you wouldn't see what you have here today yeah and there are a lot of interesting stories that I don't have the scoop on, but at, at one time before we started incorporation, they were going to put a, dump, a land dump of some kind up here back in Harry Geisinger's day. And another time uh, they wanted to build, uh, and some of the guys have laughed and said, maybe that wasn't a bad idea. There was talk of building a, a, a very large development that would have residential park and a golf course up sort of in that area where Publix is now. Okay, yeah, Bob talks about that. And if you think about that, that would have created an entirely different Dunwoody. I don't know if that would have been good or bad. It didn't happen, but there were all sorts of things that we don't have records on that occurred that created the situation that made Senator Weber decide this was time to do it. Yeah. It's hard to imagine a golf course up there. Although there is that one by Dunway Country Club, but still it's you know, if you're not a member of that, well, then that's not something you'd go to. That's so that true. would be a whole that's kind area. Of the center of Dunwoody, too. I mean, that's it does feel that way. Right yeah. there next to the village. Do you consider that the center of Dunwoody? <laughs> well, and interesting that Dunwoody Country Club is located in Sandy Springs. Yeah, Ooh. it's kind of the north side. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> <laughs> but we have, as you know from having others on, the panhandle of Sandy Springs all but seemed like a part of Dunwoody. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful people who live in that community there have been a part of our community. We think of them as Dunwoody, even though that's not true, but they shop. Dunwoody shops are much closer to them than to drive all the way over to the Sandy Sing, city of Sandy yeah. Springs. So uh, there's always been a wonderful relationship with that portion of Fulton County. Yeah. 
well, maybe we should take them. Let's let's bring them in. We, was that term annex? Can we annex them? Well, had it not been for county lines, we certainly would have done that. But they being Fulton, oh, it's and a we, county, yeah. we being DeKalb oh. is the real answer as to why that couldn't possibly be done. Because certainly they would have liked that. We would have liked that. But uh, as you will know, the fight for incorporation for uh, the city of Dunwoody within DeKalb County was difficult enough. There was no possible way we could have crossed over to another county and asked them to give up a portion of their right. property. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, and don't they have, is, isn't Dunwoody, isn't there a school named Dunwoody up there off Roberts Drive? Dunwoody Springs. Is that, is that is what that, it is, Dunwoody Springs? Yeah. yeah, there's a school up there, but that's not actually in Dunwoody. Oh, yes, you're talking about Dunwoody Springs. Yeah, mm-hmm. we need to take that back. They can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> You guys are laughing, but what about Sandy Springs? I'm today. Springs. Oh, today. <laughs> That's right. Well, now it's fun that we can laugh about all these things because we certainly did have some tense times uh, during uh, Senator Weber's initial presentation. Um, he did it right, I think. He he uh, had the idea. He came forward with it. Uh, met with community leaders. There were pros and cons discussed. And then it becomes, uh, as they, they have probably covered before, the first, in, first bill didn't go anywhere. Uh, a study was done by the Carl Vincent Institute from University of Georgia, a very renowned, very respected organization that gave us, I would say, the total legitimacy to be doing what we were doing. We had people who were number crunchers who were excellent, and they thought we could do what we wanted to do, what the senator had proposed. But it wasn't really probably until that Carl Vincent Institute that most of us felt confident that that this could be. And was it a scary thing? Absolutely. Were people reluctant to change? Certainly. Uh, the nice part was those who could see this vision and those who couldn't see it at all still remained friends, and it was always a friendly uh, argument. It, it wasn't the type of hostility that you see today. Dunnywoody wasn't that kind of place. Your next-door neighbor could be opposed to this, and you fought, and yet you would talk sensibly about it, and you would try to work it out. Well, let me stop you for a second. I try to get in. I'm trying to get into my mind why you would be against the city forming. Well, opponents. Some people looked at the numbers and didn't think they would work. Uh, also, uh, opponents said that they wouldn't work. Those who were totally opposed, and there was a small group organized against it. Uh, they said were they called Dunwoody. No, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get well organized enough to do that, that and that was certainly a consideration on the part of those of us who chaired Dunwoody. Yes, because uh, had they done so, uh, it would have been a much more interesting struggle. Right. Uh, they felt that the numbers were not going to work, and taxes were going to have to be raised. Some were very sincere in that fear, and that fear was driven by Representative Jill Chambers, who had a little tiny portion of Dunwoody, and so she had a say in all of this. She, for reasons that we only can guess about, uh, chose to go against it. She, she said the numbers didn't work, but there were 
other things prompting her, we think, to fight it. So we, there were maybe, they were kind of a splintered group, those who were scared, reluctant to change, those who didn't think the numbers would work, and then a few that Jill had convinced to stand with her and vote with the Democrats against it. So uh, they were not well organized. Uh, and it's a good thing they were? Uh, it, it is. I think even had they been better organized, when you look at what our vote turnout was, 81% of the vote was for us. Oh, wow. I think that we would have not had a problem. It was a lot nicer not to have the city go into uh, that kind of... Uh, Division. Disc- and have, have it perhaps become more. Uh, the people who spoke out, we would be interviewed. There were letters to the editor. To his credit, Dick Williams certainly did the best job, I think, of anyone in publishing the pros and the cons. If someone, anyone who wanted to write a letter, for example, if the opposition wanted to write an op-ed piece, he would publish it. He published all of ours. Uh, And I would say, arguably, without the crier, we wouldn't have become a city that we are today because we couldn't have gotten the information out. Can't knock on that many doors, right? Well, and I didn't know that the vote numbers were 81% for because, you know, that in itself says, okay, the people actually want this. But if it was like a, a case where, with like Brexit, for example, you know, where you barely got, you know, half the vote, then it becomes a real issue because, you know, people aren't going to get over that. That's it. Citizens for Dunwoody, the initial organizing 501c3 that uh, Dan Weber formed to, was informational only. They were not a campaign uh Form And they were very, very clear in uh, making that statement and doing no campaigning. They were providing information so that every vote could have been a learned opinion when they voted. Uh, Many, many meetings were held. Uh, Representatives would go out and speak. Big forums were held where four or five hundred people would come. They had the county sent people out. There was a big uh, debate at one point in time. Uh, a judge, C.J. C. Baker from um, the Superior Court, uh, was the moderator and let both sides present and let people come and form their own opinions. Uh, it wasn't until uh, the, the House and Senate actually passed the bill giving the citizens of Dunwoody the right to vote, that Dunwoody Yes was formed. And at that point in time, uh, I resigned from Citizens for Dunwoody, as did Rob Augustine, so that there would be a total separation of the informational group and the campaigning group. And that's when we formed um, Dunwoody Yes. And we made it very clear. It was in the paper. Thanks to Dick, it was all made very clear. This is what we're going to do. We're taking away, uh, we're pulling away. So we kept the two great separate because we then needed to file with the Ethics Commission as a uh, unit that was going to be fundraising and campaigning to, in effect, a ballot. We were a non-candidate group wanting to affect a ballot. So... Uh, we met all the qualifications, uh, as any group should, uh, and uh, as soon as we, uh, it, it was passed, we were delighted to then form this. It didn't pass easily, as you will have known. There were many exciting moments, and I wish I had had a picture. I would have brought it of uh, on the last day when we thought it was going to pass. The Senate had passed it. We were waiting for the House to come in. Our senior senator from the U.S. 
Congress, Saxby Chambliss, came for a visit at the State House. And all of the Republicans, whom, of course, we were counting on to vote for our bill, went down to a, into the lobby for a reception. And a, a, uh, I think there was a big, uh, the media was all there, and there were, everything, excitement was taking place. And suddenly it was time to vote, and they were not in. Nobody the, was there. <laughs> so uh, we laughed. Senator Miller was, uh, there was one picture of him frantically leaning over the balcony, waving, you know, come up to vote. And of course, they did get back, and the vote carried, and, and all, was, all, all was well. It's one of those cases where you see somebody else voting for, for another, you know, it's like <laughs> leaning over and doing the yes. <laughs> wait, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> no, we couldn't have that. Everything so, had to be legal and above board. So who was on the original one? Is you and Rob, uh, We had uh, uh, now Mayor Shortle. He was then referred to as General Shardle. General. Uh, and that came about because uh, when it came time to say who's going to run a campaign, everything was fast forward. We were on high speed from the day that happened because there was so little time to the July referendum from the, uh, from uh, well, the House, the bill came the end of March was the vote. So you've got basically from April 1st to July 15th to pull together a campaign to get momentum to get a yes vote. Uh, I was asked to chair Dunwoody because of all the people actively involved, I probably had the most political experience. Uh, I think they thought I knew more than I did. I had worked on a number of political campaigns. I had never chaired one, uh, and I would never take credit for doing that, but uh, it fell to me, and I was happy to do it. Uh, I felt that a single chairman was not good. I felt we needed two people, and I thought to have a man and a woman was just made the most sense in the whole world, to have a local citizen, to have a general. And he was my friend. Uh, we had been friends, my husband and, and his wife, since the Chicago days when he was my husband's co-pilot with Eastern Airlines oh, back wow. 100 years ago in Chicago. So we had total trust. Uh, and in a campaign, you have to be able to trust the people you are with. I always say a campaign is not unlike being in a foxhole. You've got to be able to trust those comrades Watch that you're with. Back, right. So, uh, and why did you call him? If was, he wasn't a general, was he? He was a brigadier. He was. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. He had been. He had been in Vietnam, and then he went into the reserves or the guard reserves afterwards, or guard. I think it was reserves, and rose to uh, brigadier general in the oh, reserves. I didn't realize that. Oh, we got to start calling him the general now. <laughs> <laughs> and he was—he had been instrumental. He had gone down and helped lobby uh, with uh, Tom Taylor, Brian Anderson, the group, Ken, that you mentioned. Uh, when they would go down to lobby the others, it was good to have someone from an outside source lobbying. And so he had, he had become acquainted with and was certainly all for our campaign at that point in time. Rob Augustine came over, as I mentioned. Uh, Adrian Bonzer uh, was interested in uh, the city. Uh, later she became, Dr. Adrian Bonzer became mm -hmm. a council person at a later point in time. Uh, and uh, Bob Dallas. So uh, we had uh, five initial people that we started out with uh, and then uh, Bob had some, he was uh, with the, uh, depart the governor's Department of Highway, and he traveled a great deal. So Rob Augustine's family had some issues, health issues that he had to take care of. So we brought in then Dan Wargula and Mike Davis, 
whom you know that later mm -hmm. became mayor, mm -hmm. to assist with us on that on that original uh, group. Uh, the kind of super team there. <laughs> well, we told them take your vitamins because. <laughs> During this period of time that I've mentioned, Citizens for Dunwoody had uh, set up 14 informational meetings within the community. So this is, again, between the time the legislature ended and uh, the vote was taken on July 15th. So once a week. So they took every other week. 14 major neighborhoods and set up to do, again, the information only. But we knew they were going to be asked questions about the campaign and what can I do? I want yard signs if you have them and so forth. So we as Dunwoody S would send a representative, usually it was Denny or myself, would go along to these 14 meetings that were occurred and we would be there and if nothing came up about the campaign, of course, we weren't going to initiate it because we were guests at this event. But the moment that the uh, campaign issues came up, and they always did, they could, Citizens for Dunwoody could say, well, after we finish our portion of the program, feel free to go talk to and whichever one of us in the room. So that happened. We took, we didn't have any money <laughs> other than what, what was donated out of the pockets of uh, two or three of us to get <laughs> us up and running. Uh, so we needed to, we needed to do some fundraising. Uh, that's the magnets that I gave to you and the stickers that you see. Uh, we, we had... Uh, yeah, so how much do we owe you for those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Our pleasure now to hand them out. Uh, we needed yard signs. We needed money to put out our own campaign things. I was running them off on my, com my printer at home, you know, with a little extra grocery money. We'll go buy some more ink and some more. <laughs> and we were distributing. But we uh, received permission from uh, four or five businesses in the community that were for us. And they uh, kindly let us on Saturdays. We would, the campaign would uh, have a couple of people at each of these locations. And we would... Uh, once we were able to get the initial group of uh, magnets that you see, uh, the car magnets or refrigerator magnet, whichever you choose, uh, oh, it's going on we car. started selling yeah. those then to make money to buy more and to get the yard signs, Are which these we did. Hayward magnets? Hayward no, magnets? I can't give Hayward credit for those, although I will tell you he makes the best signs in town. Now but, he does. He uh, does. A, a business that is no longer happens to have no longer been done, Woody. Did those for cost for us? Okay, uh, a lot awesome. of businesses and business people were very kind to us. Uh, they would do things for cost or for minimal um, profit, uh, enabling us to get things going. So that was one of the things that we did. And we took, uh, I don't know that I showed you later, but uh, the Citizens for Dunwoody had a brochure that they always passed out. And we then made a little brochure and as you will see when you look at it and I know this is radio and not television so show and tell is not a particularly <laughs> well, good thing. Well it looks like one of those things that says will you go to heaven or not. <laughs> <laughs> but we would do simple things about why, why, why a city your voice will be heard because it was probably covered before by others. We had one voice in DeKalb County and that was our commissioner who had 150 people to answer to. With the city of Dunwoody, we would have seven people 
for a city of about 49,000. So you can see, even if you, 150 to say 70 people made a big difference in having your voice heard. Right. Plus, she didn't, she didn't live in Dunway. She lived over in the Stone Mountain area, whereas all of our, our council people and the mayor would be in Dunwoody. You'd see them at the grocery store. They might live in your neighborhood, go to your church. And our campaign became uh, local decisions close to home because who better knows what we need in Dunwoody than those of us who live here. We had good people. Our commissioner, county commissioner, although she voted against us for cityhood, was did many good things for us. But you have to remember she had 100,000 of her constituents didn't want us to become a city, so she had to vote with them and not with us. Um, Traitor. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't make us feel very good, but uh, logically, I understand uh, that's what elected officials do. You know, see that I feel like council is still very divided up by the the neighborhoods. You know, so so everyone does kind of have their somebody they live close to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and uh, citizens uh, did a good job in. Uh, we had uh, going back to citizens off the campaign. Uh huh. We they uh, they determined uh, tasks task forces uh, should be uh, organized for all of the key areas, police, paving, all of the various things that we were touting that needed to be done because our our battle cry was zoning, police, and paving. Those were the three big things that we weren't getting. We never saw police cars, as you've been told before, I'm mm -hmm. sure, by others. Uh, even the police officers, who were very nice, and they agreed with us. They told us, we're always inside the perimeter. We, we, we come up here seldom. Only There's scarier places than Dunwoody, I'm sure. <laughs> and that was true. There was far more crime occurring in some of those other areas. But we had our share, and it was building. Mm -hmm. uh, we were beginning to have issues uh, that... We needed them here for. Well, that's when the perimeter area was probably blowing up. I mean, it, it was, was starting to develop, certainly becoming a, a, a consideration, an important and wonderful consideration, but was going to need more too. Uh, we hadn't seen streets paved in years. Uh, ironically, the only street that had been paved recently happened to be the cul-de-sac where Representative Jill Chambers. <laughs> I'm just saying. That is odd. She got hers just on. saying. Um, <laughs> to get zoning under control so we keep a proper balance of residential to apartments to business and commercial was critical for the well-being of us. Uh, getting our streets paved, next important thing, uh, police. So uh, those were the three things. Now, later, after we became a city, when uh, we took over parks, and there, w there was a push for a parks bond to go through. It became, and I'll have to admit, it is very, it's a very clever saying to go, parks, police, and paving is why we became a city. And that's not quite accurate. It's a very clever motto, but it was zoning, police, and paving. Parks weren't on our radar at that time. Obviously, they would become a part of our city later, and that was known, but we did not address that issue with Dunwoody Yes or with Citizens for Dunwoody. Yeah, didn't we buy them back from yes, the cabs? Yes, that, that occurred after we became a city. And then later was when, uh, and I think what happened by the time that Parks Bond came along, residents began to see that we had a plan for paving, thanks to the council and mayor, a good plan was instituted. They brought in the big machine. I'm sure they told you about that measured, and they decided mm, yeah. worst to first, and they had measurements of what they were, so no one could say, well, 
Representative so-and-so got their street paved and I didn't. There was to be no favoritism shown, and to my knowledge, there never was. The only t variance ever from that was if it made if it was cheaper to leave the equipment in there and do a small cul-de-sac in a subdivision while you were there, that might occur. But basically, um, they, st they have all these 10 years stuck with their worst... First. Yeah, that's what Denny told us a few months yes. ago. Yes, and I on. think that that was important. That's what we told the people, and uh, I'm very proud that our council and mayors have lived up to what we promised the people. Maybe in 20 years, I'll run for mayor on the paving platform because no one else is going to do it for a few <laughs> for like a decade at least. Because Denny did it so well. Yeah. Well, we might be back to starting over by that time. Yeah. Unincorporating? Is that <laughs> no, no. Paving. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Let me make that very clear. <laughs> that seems like a good stopping point. Make sure you subscribe to the show to get the second part automatically when I release it tomorrow. If you don't know how to subscribe on your iPhone, just tell Siri, subscribe to What's Up Dunwoody Podcast. Podcast.